Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in. So today I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about um, what I've done to transition over into Canon camera equipment. For the longest time I was shooting with Nikon cameras, and I'd always uh, really liked doing that, but most of that was always kind of um, maybe constrained by budget. For I think I started with a Nikon D40 back in you know 2007 is when I bought it. The camera probably came out earlier than that. I really enjoyed uh, kind of picking up, and that was like an entry-level uh, DSLR at the time. And now it's like really antiquated. I've sold that off now years ago and kind of moved it over into other other camera equipment over time. Uh, but that's what I got while I was in college. It was a really good camera for me to learn on and, and kind of learn some of the, the fundamentals of working with a digital camera. And I had a lot of fun working with that. I made it like a ton of photographs with it. Then pretty soon after that, I tried to switch over to something that was more of a professional body when I was trying to take some of the work that I was doing a little more seriously and when I was trying to get hired as a photographer uh, to do really even just student projects at the time. I was trying to uh, get a couple extra lenses and I was trying to get a couple um, stronger features in the in the camera body that I was using. So at the time, I think it was in like 2008, 2009, actually. I think it was in 2009, um, I bought my first uh, like professional body, the Nikon D2H. And at that time, it, that was already a pretty antiquated camera. And I think in yeah 2009, it probably came out in 2003, I think is what it was. So that's already like a pretty big gap in time there. And there's been, you know, at that time, especially in that decade, there was just so much advancement in the way that sensors worked and the way that uh, the 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 C, or it wasn't even a CMOS. It was like an ELBCAST. It was like an LBCAST named sensor. I don't even know what that is, but it was different than the CMOS system that would be in a lot of cameras. I think that maybe we'd probably find now, or you know, like the the the, the sensor piece in the back. And it, it wasn't full frame either. It was uh, in even the professional line. It wasn't full frame. It was still like that crop sensor that Nikon had. Um, so it was good for, for a long time, and I was really happy to use it and happy to kind of learn on that camera. It had a ton of features, and really I'd probably go back to that that full professional body of Nikon um, if uh, if I was just to pick any camera that I wanted to use. I think like a Nikon D5 would be an amazing camera to work with. But at the time, uh, what I was trying to do was get a job at a newspaper, like the student newspaper when I was going to college, uh, and to try and get some jobs and or you know trying to you know get get some activity to try and go and take different photographs in different locations. And that job was great. It was cool working for the student newspaper because you get to go to different locations and try and make some interesting photo out of something that's probably not very interesting. It's normally like a a person talking uh, to a to a classroom with beige walls and low level ceiling light or something like that every once in a while you get to go to a football game or something like that something that you you don't really have the opportunity to go to normally and that was really fun that was interesting and it provided me a lot of uh, opportunities to do some some different or you know work with different lenses work with um, you know different lighting and, and some sort of you know interesting and dynamic subject matter but a lot of the time like I mentioned it was like um, I think I had to go photograph that they were removing pipes from a student building on some side of campus I hadn't been to before. So it was, it, it was the, I was supposed to take a photograph of the absence of pipes. It didn't really make a lot of sense. It wasn't really a very interesting photo and there, there was no people or story around it. So uh, it's, you know, it's always something like that, or it seemed to be often something like that, uh, that was just like had almost no subject to take a photograph of. So it was a challenge in that way. Uh, but it was really fun when you got to do something cool. So that's, that's why I bought that, that Nikon D2H. And then to accompany that, I, I think uh, I tried to save up some money in college. That was hard for me to do. I tried to save up, I think like $150 or something like that to buy the the 50 millimeter 1.8 
lens. Uh, that was like, I don't know, the, the version of Nifty 50 that they have over on the Nikon side. It was great to use. And, and that, that kit there, that the D2H and the, the the 50mm was what I used to take a bunch of photographs for the next many years. It's a great kit of uh, of a camera to have. And it worked really well to, to I think, like a bunch of the cool landscape stuff that I did on the, the first couple of trips I did were just both with that setup. Um, so I bought the, that. I bought that Nikon D2H used on eBay when I made that purchase of it. And I used that camera probably for the longest amount of time. Like, uh, I think I used that up until like around 2013 or so when I was kind of trying to shift away from it. Uh, and that's when I was getting into more uh, film photography stuff. At that time, I actually I switched over to a, an even, or just a different camera, a Nikon N80 film camera, because I was, I was doing a ton of stuff with, uh, with film and film rolls at the time. And then I bought... Uh, a Nikon F4S, uh, another film body camera that was from like the the 90s, I think is when that one was manufactured. It, I think it first came out in like 1988 that I probably mentioned a couple times. Uh, so I worked with those film bodies for a while. Then I, uh, I tried to switch out and I bought... Uh, an, a Sony A7R, which was really interesting. I was I was really interested in what Sony was doing with the mirrorless systems that they're creating, those uh, the interchangeable lens cameras that are out. Uh, so I, I used a, I used a Sony camera at work to do a bunch of the production photography that I was doing, and then on top of that, I bought uh, the the Sony A7R to work with at home and work with on all the landscape stuff, and that was great. It was uh, you know it's a 36 megapixel camera, which is you know mind blowing and astonishing. When you think in comparison to the 4.2 megapixels I was working with with the Nikon D2H, so it was awesome to kind of get that expansion, you know, when working with digital systems, um, and I love doing that. Uh, but there's some limitations to the A7R line, like the original A7R. I liked that camera, and I, I probably shoot with something like that again. It kind of reminded me more of like the Leica model of camera, or it seemed more like a rangefinder kind of camera, the way that it was built, the, the kind of small structure of it and the way that it was designed. It seemed like uh, like it wasn't quite a full DSLR replacement at the time. And I think that's not what they were really aiming for by the design of it and you know by the, the options and by the, the mechanisms of the camera that, and the way that it worked. It seemed like it was kind of supposed to sort of be... a, a camera sort of to the side of your professional camera if you're if you're doing professional uh work like it, it was really difficult we shot a couple of weddings with it made some beautiful photographs with it had some great lenses that i worked with but there was a lot of things that was really lacking on i think i talked about that in earlier episodes of this podcast too where there were there would just be problems with the autofocus where it was great for landscape stuff really slow uh, you know, stuff where you'd have your camera on your tripod and you, you know, spend some time trying to set the shutter, uh, trying to set up the focal length of the lens and having time to focus the image in a way that, you know, worked out all right. All of those features really worked out really well. But if you wanted to go through and in a pretty short amount of time, hammer out a couple hundred frames that were all that, you know, you'd all want to be in focus or you'd all want to be, uh, you know, pretty functional raw images it, it just had a harder time getting that sort of stuff done and the way that the buttons were laid out and the way that the menu was laid out you didn't really have the ability to to kind of reach for and grab at those sort of professional and necessary photography features quickly as, as quickly as you would want to so i learned a lot by working with it 
is great to use. I'd probably want a camera like that again, and especially the, the A7R II or the A7 II and the A7S and now the A7R three. All of those, and the A9, gosh, all of those newer Sony line mirrorless cameras have a lot of interesting features, and they, they've also, I think, tried to directly target some of those limitations that the first A7, A7R line had with them. So I think uh, now there's the, uh, way more dynamic video features, way more dynamic auto-focusing systems in it that are, I think, quite a bit better. But I still hear there's some seek problems. That's what I had, is that, you know, you'd go to focus the image, and then the autofocus point would just seek forever. It wouldn't grab onto the thing that you needed it to. And uh, and then when you take the photograph, you'd have a blackout, because right? it's it's a digital representation of the image in the viewfinder instead of a through-the-lens, single-lens reflex-style uh, view of it. You would lose sight of the photograph that you were taking. And then if you were trying to hammer uh, a few frames all at once, it would just it would just stay black that whole time, you know, because it was about a second to process. And then you would try and take maybe two or three frames a second. And so you just wouldn't see anything the whole time that you were trying to get the image. And that's where I was noticing that uh, that, that kind of digital model wasn't really what I wanted at the time. Now in the A9, I think there's like a whole whole feature system that sort of eliminates that whole problem and now there's just like a blinking band that kind of pops in yellow so that you know that you're taking a frame right then but it never really loses or goes blackout uh, but i was noticing that you know with that i was like oh well i really liked the stuff that i was doing with film you know where it was just way more analog and where you could just kind of look right at what you were taking and you could really focus in on the expression and and the moment that you're capturing in the photograph and that way you could be more selective about the way that you were taking the photograph so i wanted to kind of move back toward the dslr system anyway and i wanted uh sort of a, a i guess like a more professional feature set where it was weather sealed or where it was you know set up where you could hammer out a lot of frames on it for work uh, you know, all the time and you would just know that it would work all the time also also in addition the Sony cameras had sort of some issues with the, the battery system that they used on those first couple models it was pretty small or it, it was, and, and the camera was kind of power intensive because everything was always running a screen either on the back of the screen for the viewfinder or or pardon me for the screen or for the, the viewfinder itself that you would look through with your eye that was always like a, a screen that was running, and so it would run through your battery pretty quickly. And it was kind of an anemic battery system. I think there's a lot of reviews that sort of mention that same problem with it all the time, that it was just sort of an issue that people would run into, especially people that were trying to work a professional job. You know, if you, if you wanted to work with a camera for a whole day, you would just run into a lot of problems, and you'd have to have a lot of batteries to kind of run through it. Um, and so I liked it. For a lot of stuff that I did, it worked really well, but but overall, it wasn't really a camera system that I uh, was able to use for for some of the jobs that I was being asked to do, and so that was kind of why. Well, okay, if I need to make all this, or you know, if I'm going to try and make some money doing photography, then I'm going to have to switch over to something that I can kind of use more as a tool all the time. Um, so I was looking around at different options. I really like a lot of the Nikon stuff, but I also noticed that I I really like the Nikon stuff. I'll leave it at that. I just noticed that sometimes some of the accessory equipment outside of the the body that you might buy, I bet some of the, the lenses are expensive or they're a little more expensive than maybe some of the commensurate lenses that might be available over in Canon. And I remember back in college, someone was mentioning to me that uh, they were going to switch from Nikon over to Canon because Canon was a bigger company. I don't know if this is really a, a reason or not. It was interesting logic, though, uh, to kind of think through at the time, but that Canon was a larger company selling more lenses, making more cameras, making more equipment, and so they had more 
resources, more staff, more designers working on cameras, building cameras, and uh, doing research and development to kind of bring that that forward. And I think even maybe now that's still perhaps true. Like if you if you look at some of the technologies in Nikon versus Canon, like um, or just kind of to take a base idea of it. Though I love Nikon stuff a lot, but if you were to take like the D5, I think that's a 20 megapixel sensor. Uh, whereas in if you were to look at the newer Nike or pardon me, Canon 5D Mark IV, that's I think like a 31, 36. I don't know. It's it's up there in the thirty. Maybe I think it's a thirty megapixel camera, and I think perhaps the five D Mark III is a twenty three megapixel camera. Um, so it, it was interesting just kind of noticing a couple of those things. Now I understand that there's benefits to the lower megapixel rating for some of the low light performance that you get at high ISOs, and I think that's maybe sometimes where uh, Nikon performs well. But then there's also Sony who's producing forty two megapixel cameras and they're doing incredible things in low light but also even better stuff with the a7s which i think is the the version of the camera that's specifically around some of the higher end video features and i think it's a 12 megapixel camera that does incredible stuff in low light like almost at like you know 100,000 so you can get really amazing low light images and low light video um so it's interesting how how that that kind of sensor technology works um but all that being said, it's just interesting that for a long time, even way back in history, like to the beginning of the, the digital SLR, uh, I think Canon was way ahead in what they were producing uh, as far as their sensors go and what they were able to produce like in megapixels uh, or in uh, fidelity of an image. I think they had uh, they had a what, – what was the first one? I think Nikon did not have a full-frame digital SLR until the Nikon D3. Uh, came out, which was a fantastic camera, and I had that one also as a as a used camera that I bought later. Loved the D3, um, but it was interesting that uh, that yeah, like they didn't have a, a full frame DSLR camera option until 2007, I think, when that came out. Whereas on the Canon side, I think the the EOS 1D, the 1DS, is that right? I think it was the 1DS was the first. Um, was the first full frame camera produced by Canon and that was way back and I think that was still like around 8 megapixels or maybe 10 megapixels for the, the Mark II in that but they had, they had some technology that was just far more advanced for the time of 2002 2003 2004 than what Canon had going on or pardon me than what Nikon had you you know what I mean right so anyway, that fast forwards to uh, to me in fall of 2018, I'm looking around for uh, another camera purchase because uh, I was going to be moving and I was going to be taking a job where I was, I was going to be working every day doing family portrait photography and a lot of like wedding photography stuff too, where I needed to depend on the memory card system that would be in the camera, where like on the Sony side, like I had mentioned before, uh, there were some limitations to it. And one of the other limitations was that it, it only accepted SD cards, uh, which are uh, now I'm actually kind of learning are, are fine. You know, you can use an SD card for just about anything. But I also liked the opportunity uh, or the option to have a compact flash card or maybe it's a USM now. I'm not USM, USD. That's a dollar. I'm not sure. But uh, the compact flash card system that uh, that goes in, I always felt that was like a little bit more professional when you put that in. Uh, and I just wanted like more memory options. So with the, I think the 5D Mark III that I decided to pick up used uh, that had the 
that had the, the compact flash slot and it also had the SD card slot. And you had the ability to record 1080p video and you had the ability to take photographs. You had the ability to do uh, like high frame rate burst series for photographs. And it just seemed like, uh, I don't know, it seemed like it was a great workhorse camera, the, the 5D series. And I think that's what people had been talking about even since like the 5D Mark II when they announced the the HD video recording features on DSLRs. Uh, so I think that, and even before that, you know, it was just, it was one of the top, top used cameras for wedding photographers and stuff. So for me, I was trying to find something that would be like a good workhorse camera where I could always kind of count on it and the battery system and the memory card and the lens arrangement that I would be available to me that I could really just be hammering away on frames and, uh, and then be bringing those in, editing them and then kind of delivering them to clients in a pretty fast manner. So I thought that would be something that would help me out. Um, and I, I think I was right. I think it was a good choice, though. There are fantastic options with like the A7 Mark III or the A7 III and the A7R III. I think both of those have kind of solved a lot of those issues that I've been talking about where they've adjusted the the battery system and they've adjusted the um, just some of the, the blackout problems that I was talking about before. But um, but I was happy to switch over to the Canon side of it. Uh, I think also because of that reason I was talking about too, where yeah, no blackout, and you, I really like being able to use the through-the-lens uh, viewfinder of the SLR as opposed to the, the digital SLR or just looking at it on the screen. Um, so, I don't know, all those reasons were kind of why I wanted to get back to the the, the DSLR system instead of the uh, the interchangeable lens camera system. Um, but it was great. So, uh, so back, I think, in September, I uh, I was looking around a lot. I, I sold the A7R off, and then I was trying to hunt around for uh, options for me to get a well-priced uh, Canon 5D Mark III. And then I also bought one for Marina, so she had a 5D Mark III body and then we could kind of share lenses for it too so i wanted to get up and running um and i wanted to talk about like some of the lens stuff that i was interested in too it's interesting kind of switching over to canon now uh just kind of seeing you know what's available and what's available in the used market which for me and for you know someone that doesn't want to spend a ton of stuff getting a pretty high level professional level uh set of photography equipment it's interesting to kind of uh, comb around through the used market and figure out good pieces to use. I think almost every camera system I've ever had has been something that I've made a purchase of off of the used marketplace in some manner. You know, I, don't, I haven't bought a new film camera, that's for sure. Um, so it was interesting kind of uh, trying to figure that out a little bit. And I've always had really good luck with it. I hear some bad stories out there, but really it seems like a lot of photographers take pretty good care of their, their camera equipment uh, in a way that it at least seems really quite usable for me still when I end up with it at some point and I save a ton of money doing it too and I don't have to deal with the heavy depreciation because like by the time I I end up wanting to sell it it really hasn't moved that much in the marketplace uh, a lot of the time you know it only ends up being like a few hundred dollars to have purchased that camera because when you sell it again you get a lot of that money back and as opposed to uh, well I'll get into that story in a second but uh, but like when I made a purchase of it that camera was really quite new and it had depreciated a lot in value from the new price, the new sticker price from the in the store, in the camera store price to what it was when I bought it used. So uh, so it was a fantastic deal to, to kind of pick it up and, and find like a, a good one out there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, back in, what was it, back in September, I was hunting around in Oregon trying to find a good 
uh, 5D Mark III body. So I, I was trying to debate a little bit. I was looking around on eBay for 5D Mark III's that would be available, and I was looking around on KEH, and those are two locations that I'd, I'd kind of made purchases from before when I was making a purchase online. Um, I like eBay, and I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. I sold my A7R on eBay. I sold my D3 when I had made a, a per, I purchased the D3, I think, from KEH, and I sold the D3 on eBay, and I made, made my money back. It was great. It worked pretty well. Uh, but uh, when I was looking around, I didn't really find the price point that I wanted for the 5D Mark III line. I think those were all running around 18 or 1900 bucks. Uh, for the 5D Mark III bodies that were being sold. But I'm sure, I don't know, it seemed like the market was a little lower than that at the time. And then when I looked on KEH, it was sort of the same story where uh, ones that were in bargain condition, you know, where they had been pretty beaten up or probably had been uh, the you know someone's wedding photography camera where it would really hammered out 100,000 or 200,000 frames already, had a few seasons of weddings over the last couple of years, and the person was trying to offload that gear and then, you know, on an upgrade to their, their 5D Mark IV or their 1DX or something like that. Um, so I kind of wanted to stay away from those uh, in a way. I'm sure they would have been functioning cameras in the way that they had been reported, but there's really no way to, like, get an observation of the camera and its function in your hand while you have it to see that it, it's really, like, as clean or as in, in good a condition as you'd want it to be uh, for something that you're going to spend $1,800 for. When I was buying used cameras, it was, you know, sub $1,000 purchases. So it was like, well, you know, it's got a couple scruffs on it or something like that but uh, but really they were always quite nice in in their physical condition um, so what I had ended up deciding to do was instead of making a purchase on eBay or on KEH what I decided to do was uh, try and check out uh, the the local marketplaces so I went on Craigslist to look at the the classified listings that were there in the the you know photo and video equipment for sale listing in my area and I kind of scoured across Oregon to find, you know, a couple good pieces. So I was trying to look in the Portland area. I was looking over in the Bend area. I was looking in the Eugene area. And I was also looking up into, like, the Seattle and Tacoma area as well because I thought, well, you know, if I need to, then you know, I'll drive up a little ways and I might save hundreds of dollars trying to make a purchase for a nice camera system. So I thought that might be a good idea. Uh and then in addition to Craigslist, I was also getting into the Facebook marketplace where I was selling a ton of my, uh, my stuff from my house when I was trying to set up this move over here to Maui. Um, so I was looking around at that. I was thinking, well, maybe I can check out and see if there's camera equipment that are also listed there too. And that actually worked out really well. I was, I was pretty impressed with it. So for the camera bodies, I found two uh, Canon 5D Mark III bodies. One of them I found over in Bend for $1,000 flat, which is an incredible deal. I, I think I think I got the upper hand on that one. It uh, it had been used, I think, for, for just like a single project that uh, that someone had. I think they, I don't know, but they have a business or they were paid to do it. So they, they, they made a purchase of a 5D Mark III and then they shot like a, a series of web instructional, like instructional videos for YouTube for a company that had purchased it. And then they hadn't used that equipment in a while since then, so they were going to sell that camera off and get some of their money back. So I, I got the camera for $1,000 even, which uh, was fantastic. It really barely even had, uh, like, rub marks on it, on the base of it. You know, like when you look at the, the camera body physically, the rubber was in fantastic shape. And the the base plate, like where the tripod would go, I think was the only area where there was a little bit of a scuff. 
but it was fantastic. It was really cool that, uh, that that had worked out so well for me. So I made a purchase of that camera for a thousand. Then I was looking around and uh, I found another one up in the Portland area that a real estate agent had bought to take photographs of their property. And then I think they had found out that they didn't really want a 5D Mark III, but they wanted a Sony camera. And so they made a purchase of a Sony camera just a few months after that. And then to make up the cost of that purchase, they wanted to sell off the Canon 5D Mark III that they had. And so I saw, and I got the box too, which was interesting. I got the, the box for the 5D Mark III, had the receipt from the camera store that they bought it for. It was, you know, $2,600 when they bought it, maybe 12 months ago or 11 months ago. And I looked at the shutter count of it. It was maybe a thousand, you know, 900 pictures had been taken on the camera body when I made a purchase of it. So it was really almost like a brand new camera. I think I was putting a thousand frames on it a day at the at the job that I had so it, it was I, I, I've, I've already put broken it in quite a bit more than it had been when I made a purchase of it so it was really cool getting such a, a new camera for such a low price so saving a few thousand dollars trying to put it put the, you know these uh, the, this package of equipment together was excellent and I was really happy to do that um, and that was one thing I noticed about the the Canon used market is there's just and this is sort of back to that thing it's a bigger company and they're selling more cameras out there so it was cool that uh, there's just so much used gear out in the market whereas opposed to you know if I was looking for I don't know a d800 on the Nikon side or or a, a d4 or something like that it would be pretty hard to find those bodies I guess in that condition or, you know, in that, in that way. And then for that price, it seemed like uh, and uh, same, same goes for like a, a Canon 1DX. If I was trying to find that on the used market, those were really held by professionals or sports photographers. And those bodies were really be, and still very expensive when I was looking around for them. Um, but it seemed like there were so many people that were interested in doing wedding photography or doing photography as a hobby that they would kind of lean into the higher price range and pick up a 5D Mark III and then find out, well, you know, maybe I don't want it or, or maybe I want to switch over to a 5D Mark IV now. And so they were ditching those and offloading those for way lower prices. Uh, so it was excellent time to, to kind of come in, pick those cameras up and uh, and kind of start getting set up. But the other thing I noticed is that, okay, so now we have the, the 5D bodies now we're going to need lenses to work on these so uh what i was looking for was the the usm uh well what was it the the 24 to 70 f2.8 lenses that were for like the professional full frame cameras and i was fortunate to find those again on the facebook marketplace i think i had found one in the eugene area and i got a usm 1 24 to 70 uh, which was a great price. And then I also found a USM2 24-70 that had been used more. I definitely could tell that it had been used more. This, Even though it was a newer version lens, that it definitely had, I think, some more wear on it. And that's that's probably the lens that though it still works great, still has great optical clarity, but it's probably the one that, that seems the most tired when I'm using it sometimes. So uh, I'm, I don't know, it's interesting sometimes. But, uh, but I'm sure I probably put a ton of work on it, too, just kind of racking it back and forth, trying to get all these different photographs that I was trying to shoot. So uh, I don't know. I, lenses don't last forever, and they're mechanical pieces. Uh, but uh, but these are really well-built. You know, these uh, these professional L-glass systems are, are really sturdy and well-built, and I was really impressed with how they were working. So I had a, had a great time using it, and uh, I didn't really seem to, to run into any problems while I was trying to produce uh, produce photographs with it. But I found, uh, yeah, I found one of them, one of the lenses in the Eugene area, and then I found another one up in Portland, and so I drove up to, to pick that lens up. And then I had, you know, I had two 5D Mark III's and two 24-70 to 
f2.8 lenses to throw on there to do a bunch of the family portrait stuff and a bunch of the you know kind of lifestyle images that i was trying to do so it was a great starting setup for me to to kind of get and then move out from and uh, so I, I had been working with that for a couple months and i've been trying to kind of expand from that uh, since then and so the the stuff that i'm looking for now um well so i started uh, looking into like uh some things for like real estate photography and one of the things that's always required for that stuff is uh is like a really wide angle lens uh so when i was looking around with the company that i was working with they were looking for images between 17 millimeters full frame and 20 millimeters on a full frame camera and so i, I went ahead and i purchased the the 17 to 40 millimeter f4 lens which is actually really quiet and expensive i mean you know or and again coming from like the nikon side when i thought like wow that's going to be more than a thousand dollars to pick up uh, to pick up a lens for it it, it was really a, a low price i think it was about 520 dollars to buy a new 17 to 40 millimeter uh, uh, lens that was like that, yeah, the F4 that I was talking about. So I picked that one up uh, to do some of the real estate photography, and that amortized pretty quickly. You know, getting to to use that for real estate jobs, it kind of paid for itself just in a couple jobs, along with how the the cameras themselves and the the 24 to 70 sort of paid for themselves by hammering out a bunch of family portrait sessions with them. Uh, so both of those things kind of worked out pretty well. But in addition to that, what I'm looking for is uh, like the 50 millimeter f1.4 lens i was looking at that too and I'm, I'm looking at those new because and this is sort of what i'm saying is it's just it seems like canon lens prices are sort of dropping down a bit I'm, I, maybe there's newer lenses and i know there's you know the there's way higher end lenses but uh, but the the 50 millimeter f1.4 uh, kind of lower end lens perhaps is uh, i think 299 which is really super cheap like that's that's what i paid for a 35 millimeter dx lens on my uh on my old camera system you know on the nikon stuff so uh so i was or i think uh, what was it like the the 28 millimeter f2 lens i had for my sony camera that was like 450 bucks when i bought it used right so uh it was awesome to find uh to find like that 50 millimeter f1.4 for 299 and then in addition to that uh for other portrait stuff if i wanted to do it i could pick up an 85 millimeter f1.8 for 299 also and i was like wow these are way more reasonable price ranges than uh, than what i thought so it's just really for for not that much i could probably put together a full range of prime lenses that i would want to use and i could put together a full range of uh, zoom lenses that i wanted to use that were all kind of higher end glass that uh, that would be great for you know professional stuff or or the lifestyle stuff or the you know whatever kind of photography stuff i wanted to expand into um, and then on top of that, I was looking at the, though I would love an F2.8, uh, I was looking at the zoom lenses. And one thing I've kind of learned from this job that I was working with is, uh, is really when you're working with compression and, and like when you're working like with, with a zoom and you're com using the compression of the lens past, you know, 70 millimeters, like into the 80 millimeter or hundred millimeter or out to 200 f2a is a is real soft and a lot of the time you especially if you're taking pictures of a couple people together and you're not trying to just rack right into to focus in on an eye and even when you're taking a picture a portrait of someone you really have to to kind of crank it up to f4 or f5 to get a, a depth of field that's thick enough to get their their nose their eyes and their ear in focus in the way that you'd need to and it seems like well you know like i love super shallow depth of field but it seems like 
you want to get the person in focus. So you got to get a few parts of them in focus. Um, I remember taking self portraits of my, uh, you know, like I, I'd hold the camera out in front of me with a with the Canon 50 millimeter one eight, and I'd try and take a picture of Marina and I somewhere. And I remember Marina would be just just on the plane in front of me, you know, because we we're trying to stand right next to each other, and maybe I would be in focus. But then Marina, just one or two inches in front of my nose, would be completely out of focus. It would look just like a super blurry, kind of washed area because the depth of field was so shallow. And so that's where I was trying to, you know, kind of finally learning, like, oh, yeah, okay, so maybe F1.8 isn't absolutely what you have to have for every photograph that you take, or F1.4 or whatever it might be. Um, so I was, I was kind of finding that part out where, okay, well, I'm going to have to rack this out to like F5 or F8 anyway to get a sharp photograph of the thing that I'm trying to get an image of. Uh, so I have kind of rounded out that I'm going to be fine for a lot of the landscape photography that I'm interested in doing. I'm going to be fine kind of jumping into lenses that are around that F4 line. And so I was looking at um, the, the USM 70 to 200 F4 lens that they have. And so I think it's I think that the 2.8, the f2.8 lens that's 70 to 200 is like around 1500 bucks, but the the f4 is about 600 bucks. I think it's like 599 to pick up a 70 to 200 USM lens. Now it doesn't have the image stabilization on Nikon. They call it vibration reduction. Is that right? But the, it doesn't have the image stabilization, and I think it is probably lacking some of their some other additional feature because I, I know there's two versions after that that escalate in price quite a bit but if you're looking for that older one it's still available on amazon for 5.99 which is a great price if you want to get a 70 to 200 i think that was really cool and there's a lot of things you could do with it again like i was saying with the compression if you're going out to, to 125 millimeters and you're shooting at f4 that's going to give you a really nice bokeh in the background and you're going to get the person in, in focus if you need to, if you're shooting a portrait. And if you're shooting some kind of landscape or wildlife scene, you're going to be able to do a lot with that, too. You're, you know, you're just going to have a lot of flexibility in what you're able to do. I love fast lenses. I'd really like to always push for, you know, two weight or F1.2 or something like that. Uh, but uh, but I'm loving the fact that there's an opportunity for me to get a whole range of focal lengths as I'm trying to transition over into new gear. Um, for a much, much lower price than what I was expecting. So I think that's all pretty cool. I'm, I've been pretty happy with uh, this transition over into Canon equipment so far. And it's been it's been interesting. You know, the, the thing that I'm, I'm also interested in, as I've spoken about before on this podcast, is I have an affinity for uh, taking photographs on film. And I want to get back into that in a way, because right now I, I don't really have a, a film camera with me. I still have the the... Nikon N80 floating around, um, though I'm short a lens or, you know, that's what I'm saying is like, I've kind of made an investment now into this whole range of focal lengths that I have and really quite nice pieces of glass over on the Canon side now. And so I'd like an opportunity to be able to take those photographs on film with that range of glass that I now have available to me. So what I'm looking at trying to do is, uh, is trying to pick up one of these older now, but, uh, one of these older, but, uh, one of the last runs of film cameras that Canon had put out. And so I was looking around and trying to do some research for that. When I had talked to you guys before about it in the podcast, I was mentioning that uh, I had picked up a Nikon F4 
a camera that was uh, the full manual camera or, you know, like a, no, I don't know, actually it wasn't full manual. I think it was autofocus and it had, it had like a whole color matrix. It was one of the first cameras to have that color matrix uh, auto system in it where you could, you could kind of like set it up. But, uh, and the, and the N80 has a lot of those same features too. What I'm trying to do to get to the point is I'm looking at the EOS line of film cameras that Canon had produced in the 1990s and in the 2000s. And there's a lot of opportunities there where you can really pick up a very nice camera body that, you know, will shoot film and that would kind of accompany the 5D Mark III and, and all the Canon lenses that I have now. So I was looking at the EOS 1N which I think is the camera that came come out in 1994. It really looks quite a bit like a 5D body shape, where it's uh, it's not like the it was it's not the oversized body, it, but it, it looks you know just kind of like that camera SLR body style, and it has a bunch of the features on the back. I think it has that roller wheel that Canon users have come accustomed to. It probably was one of the first cameras to introduce that big roller wheel to control your f-stop and then the, the other roller on the front to control your aperture um, so it's kind of it's interesting how, how it's laid out but uh, but it feels and looks almost the same way so i'm looking around at those those came out in 1994 and then in the year 2000 they had come out with the eos one did i say one n before what was it i think i wrote it down over here though i can't remember what it was there was the one n and maybe the one H? That doesn't sound right. What would it have been? Let's look here. Oh, the 1V. That's, I think, the one I'm looking for. Yeah, the 1V is the the, the film camera that uh, Canon produced in the year 2000 and probably up through like 2006 or 2007 or 2008. There's probably even new versions of that body that are still around if, uh, you know, there's those hardcore film users out there. So I'm looking around at some of those and uh, on the used market, I think they're they're like three, four, maybe five hundred bucks if if it's kind of on the higher end of expense. But uh, but I'm looking at some of those and uh, and it seems like it'd be kind of an interesting uh, purchase to to pick one of those up. Then I could be shooting, um, you know, film images like I've had an interest in doing uh, with a professional body that kind of matched a lot of the same uh, layout and workflow that uh, that the 5D Mark III that I'm using has. So I'm pretty interested in that. And then, I, you know, I could use all this L-glass that I've been making a purchase of too. So I have had the super wide angle, or I don't know, is it super wide? I think it's just a wide angle zoom for that 17 to 40 millimeter F4. I've got the 24 to 70 uh, 2A. I would have the uh, 70 to 200 USM F4. And then I would have a couple prime lenses on top of that. So that's like a pretty full collection of glass that I could use to make a whole bunch of different types of art or, you know, like different, different photographs, different pieces uh, that I'd be interested in trying to produce. Uh, and, you know, like a lot of the film stuff I was, I was building, like all the stuff that was on that film book that I put together, that was almost all done with a Nikon 50 millimeter F1.8 and uh, maybe like a couple manual focus lenses that I should not have been using, actually kind of knowing better now. <laughs> the optics of those were, were always kind of pretty lousy. Now I, I understand so much more about what good glass does to change the quality of the image. Like when you're getting those kind of I don't know, foggy images or hazy or dim images, I'm really seeing what, how that really affects, like cheap cheap lenses that's the thing that really affected my photography for the longest time for the first five years or so it was really just me trying to combat how difficult it was to shoot with the the cheapest 18 to 55 millimeter 
f3.5 to f5.6 lens that they had it was just all plastic the bracket on the back was all plastic and i think like even the lens elements themselves built into it were plastic and you could kind of see it it just never would really get crisp it would never be super sharp and it was just kind of this plastic warping that would that would cause that i picked up a couple other lenses over time too like i had this tamron lens that uh, that was used that i'm sure had been dropped a few times but it just never would come in sharp it would always be like out of focus even though you know it, was, it acted like it was focusing, it would always just come out soft. And so now I understand, like, oh, that's what they mean when they say this is a soft lens. So I don't know, just things that you learn over time. But uh, but I'm really happy to be working with kind of the setup that I have right now. And I'm sure I'll kind of change some stuff out over time too. I I, I think I still, uh, though it's been really interesting, kind of moving system to system to system. You know, from Nikon to Sony. And then uh, over to Canon, I've, I've kind of learned a whole bunch of different button layouts of how, how to use a camera, you know, how the, the camera works and all the different features and stuff that are associated with it. Though, as, as I think about it, I was probably always and maybe am still the most comfortable with the layout and the system uh, and the ergonomics of the Nikon camera system. I've, I've really always liked that a lot. But I've definitely gotten very used to it after shooting like a ton of these, uh, a ton of these portraits and family sessions and uh, wedding sessions. Uh, it's kind of become way more natural for me to to kind of you know oh, I got I got to put this in manual. I got to roll this over here. I got to change my my ISO to this. So I kind of I know how to like hammer out these little maneuvers now that uh, are those muscle memory pieces that are really maybe one of the hardest things to to learn when you're changing your gear system from say one brand to the next brand of ca- camera manufacturer. So all that's been kind of interesting, and uh, it's been my uh, my journey into the Canon camera world. So I hope you guys had a nice time listening to me uh, go on about uh, some different lenses and different Canon camera opportunities that are out there. But I was impressed. Yeah, check out your used market if you're interested in trying to pick some stuff up. Uh, there's, there's really some inexpensive uh, items out there where you can get pretty quality images I, I mean you know if you're if you're a student or you're just starting out or you're, you're trying to get into photography there's really a lot of opportunity to pick up some interesting canon equipment for pretty low prices if you're checking out your used market and if you're higher end and you're trying to get into stuff new stuff is great that the the 5d mark 4 that i've gotten to use a bit is fantastic it's really cool I don't think it's going to change my photography, so I'm not going to try and upgrade it from my 5D Mark III right now. But there's a lot of things it does. There's also a lot of things that are super interesting about that 1DX. That you know, like that's a, the big one. It looks like the sports photographer's camera. It's the one that's got that big battery pack base to it, where it's you know you can you can roll it to the portrait mode, and then you got that second shutter button there. Looks like you put a battery grip on your camera, but it's built into it, right? So it's all cool stuff. But for right now, I think I'm super happy with it. Until, until, you know, I don't know, a year from now, six months from now, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I switched over again. I got a Leica. That'd be fun, right? (laughs) Well, thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. We'll check in again soon.